It's Open Championship Week, and we are pumped here at the Tour Junkies to preview the DraftKings DFS slate. Now, the one thing you got to know about the Open Championship is you got to be patient. You got to wait on the weather, the tee time advantages, all that good stuff. But we're here to talk about it early. Let's talk about where we think ownership could land, maybe where some early pivots might be, and just walk through the ranges, walk through some names, maybe do a, a you know a range draft or something fun like that. We're going to mix it up this show as me and Pat break it down. But first, I'm really excited to bring to you an interview from the caddy master at the old course. He's been there for 10 plus years. He's caddied in open championships before. His name is Frazier Riddler. He was very kind with his time and he gave us a ton of insight about how the golf course is going to play, how it's set up, conditions, key things to think about, players who have been at the old course early, getting their time in, and a bunch of other good pieces of information to know before you know betting or playing on DraftKings. So Without further ado, we're going to start with Frazier, and then me and Pat are going to pick it up and enjoy. You know, one of the things that's been talked about, I think, is just like the length of the old course and maybe the challenge that, you know, the RNA and the and the, the folks at the old course may be facing with modern equipment and how far these guys are hitting it. So, like, have you have you heard anything about, like, how they're going to set it up or how long they're going to have this thing playing or how much they can manipulate tee boxes? And even in the future, like, have you heard anything about plans with the old course? No, there's no plans for the old course. Unfortunately, the property we've got, there's very little that they can do with it now for stretching it. There's maybe one or two holes that they could potentially look at stretching, but very little. Um, now, a um, couple of holes that they would stretch wouldn't make any difference. You'd finish in the same uh, landing zones and playing areas. So the old course is the old course. Um, certainly, modern technology is. Is a challenge at all courses and none's more so probably than the old. There's probably 12 holes on the old course where the, these golfers with the length they hit it are probably going to hit eight iron or less into and that's their scoring clubs. So the, the challenges with the setup is, you know, a very, very difficult one. Grant Moyer at the RNA does a phenomenal job. I genuinely think he's one of the best in the world at setting golf courses up fairly. Certainly they're, they're going to look at tucking away some flags as best they can, using some new positions that they've probably not used before or not for a long time, and challenge these guys. Because as it says on the tin, these guys are as good as they get. Yeah. So with, you know, obviously the wind is, is always the ultimate factor here. Um, but what do you think they, they, they want the winning score to be? Like we, we talk about that all the time with a lot of these major championships. They, we feel like you know, these tournament directors have this winning score they have in mind based on conditions. What do you think they want that to be at the old course? I think if you look through his recent history at the course there, um, you're looking double digits anyway. And if you get benign conditions, you're probably looking at um, someone going, you know, four under, five under on a regular basis around the old course. So you're looking at somewhere 17, 18, but if, it, if the weapon they get challenged, it could be as low as nine. So with the firm conditions, like it really does seem, and, and with the golf course not playing all that long, it, it does seem like it really opens it up to anybody in the field. W would you agree? I mean, you don't have to be the longest hitter in the field. A guy, you know, that, that it's one of the shorter, more precise types can definitely get it out there plenty far enough and still have scoring clubs in hand. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think if you look through the, the past champions at St. Andrews, that proves it. You know, guys like Zach Johnson and Louie, who are not the longest hitters, but 
you know, really good ball strikers, good wedge players, and 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 whoever puts the best will probably take away the trophy. Um, certainly, the feeling in the local areas, it's going to be who holds the most putts. Um, but like most tournaments, will will go away with the trophy. You're going to see. I think the one thing that the old course can guarantee is a really good crowded leaderboard over the weekend. Yeah. You're going to probably have, you know, guys tear up Saturday, Sunday here within two or three shots of one another. And it is a golf course without a doubt that someone from three or four back can make a run on a Sunday and come through and shoot 63, 64 and run the field and put the pressure on the guys who are coming in. I love that. So one of the things that I found super challenging just in playing golf in Scotland in general, but definitely at the old course, was sight lines off the tee. And, and, you know, we got to play it with leaderboards up, with scoreboard, you know, infrastructure coming up. And, you know, so our caddies were pointing at those things. How, how, how tough is it, do you think, for like a guy who's never played it before or, you know, and, and maybe also has a caddy who's never, who doesn't have a lot of experience out here? Like, I guess, is that really the biggest, or the, the biggest challenge for an inexperienced player is kind of learning those sight lines off the tee, where they can land it, where the ball's going to run out? you know, to possible trouble or not? Or do you think it's, it's around the greens? Like, where do you think the guys that have the little, the, the little experience, you know, where do you think they're going to struggle the most? The guys with uh, little experience, uh, their, their struggle was actually a combination of getting the winds correct and how it affects the shots into the greens and the landing points on the greens. So you'll experience not all the greens are completely flat. It's some buried elephants in places, there's some humps, there's mountains, yeah. there's little little subtleties, there's left to right slopes. Um, so when they start tucking these flags away into these positions for the best players, they become more pronounced. So it's actually the approach shots coming in is probably the, the key thing for guys who have got experience. They know the different trajectories to use coming in, the winds that are coming in, where they can feed things in from, where they need to hold things off against the wind to try and land it soft. Um, I think that's the key factor of probably the, the approach play. Certainly off the tee box, there is a number of holes that from the back tees especially are, are blind tee shots. But uh, uh, as I say in professional golf, most prof- uh, these guys have got cheat codes because they can pretty much aim at a TV tower and it's normally a pretty damn good line. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a cheat code off the tee. But there is a few holes that are, are particularly key that you do need to get your your lines off of um, the two par fives are absolutely essential that you know um, every given day with the wind direction where the middle of the fairway is because if you miss it right on five you're in the seven sisters bunkers and you know you've got no chance of getting to the green it's a wedge out sideways uh, and that's a really gimme birdie hole for these guys and 14 is just the tee shot on 14 is very demanding even for the distance that these guys hit it You've got the beardy bunkers left, which we will see plenty of guys in. And again, it's a wedge out. And if you wedge out from there, you're left at 240 into the into the green. And if it's in, in off the right, which is standard, these guys aren't getting home. So it makes it difficult. And 14 as well, when you stand on that back tee, you can pretty much only see out of bounds um, and the towns. There's a few holes that, you know, the guys with inexperience may struggle with. But uh, yeah, it's... It's doing the tiger thing, knowing where the miss is and keep it out of the bunkers. Yeah, yeah those bunkers were so so gnarly. What about, uh, so what is the prevailing wind direction out there? Is it? Yeah, normally it's a kind of a westerly or southwesterly. So if you're playing the front nine, you're kind of got it off the left to right. Uh, and then when you're coming home, you're getting it right to left. 
And the trick of the old is just make sure you know where it's coming from. Even in the last week there, we've had three different wind directions in about four days. Um, we've had a northerly breeze, which at this time of year is quite uh, unusual. That means the front nine's dead into and the back nine straight down. Um, so that's different. Different. You get an easterly breeze, which is the complete opposite. You're playing right to left on the front nine uh, into. So it, it's a different challenge. And one of the great things that the guys hopefully would know is that being on a Lynx golf course, we've got the Eden Estuary at the back of the, the 11th and the 7th green there. And when the tide comes and goes, the wind will change directions or it will certainly drop. So these guys have got to be aware of the tidal changes and stuff like that as well, because you can be going up the first four or five holes, playing the wind and off the left and a decent wind, and then you get a 16, all of a sudden the wind will just drop for three holes uh, and you can fire at every flag with no breeze but you've got to know that that wind's going to come back up again in the next five, 10 minutes, the next hole or two. And you've got to be careful because it might have completely switched on you, or it might come back out the same direction. But you've got to be aware of these things. It's a different game in Scotland, man. I just loved it. I, I loved how, how much you had to think on the golf course there. All right, it's giveaway time on the Tour Junkies podcast. It's a big week. We're going to give away a tailor-made driver, brand new to somebody, deliver it to your door. You're welcome. Also, two people are going to win $250 in prize picks money that you can play on whatever you want over on prize picks. We love it. Thank you to prize picks for helping us out. Here's how you enter. You can enter three times, three times. All you got to do is do one of three things or all of these things. We prefer you do all of them to enter. The first thing you got to do is subscribe to the email list. We send out two weekly emails every single week when you're betting or playing DFS on the PGA Tour. One hits on Tuesday, one hits on Wednesday, heavy petting on Tuesday, Wednesday's the chalk bomb. The link to sign up for that is in the description below if you're already subscribed. Fantastic. Guess what? You've already got one entry. The second way is you can leave us an Apple podcast and a Spotify podcast or a Spotify podcast review five stars and write something in the review. We will check those uh, as well. If you've already done that, great. You can do it again. So if you've ever written a review, you can write a new one. That helps you out, okay? That link is also in the description. And the third and final thing you can do to get an entry is subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tons of new content every single week. Subscribe to the channel. If you're already subscribed, guess what? You've already got an entry. We will announce the winner in the Chalk Bomb email next week for the 3M Open. So you got three different ways to enter, and the winner is going to get a free brand-new TaylorMade driver. And then second and third place are going to get $250 on prize picks. You're welcome. Let's have a week. And back to the show. Uh, so what would you say, like, for scoring purposes, what do you think is the easiest wind for these guys to have in terms of making birdies and scoring? I think anything that's not straight downwind. I think if it's left or right, they can manipulate things easy um, so they can hold in shots or they can uh, or use the wind to feed them into flags. So I think if they've got a, a, a westerly or a southwester or a wind they've probably got the best chance. That's the kind of standard wind. The guys will know that the most. If you get something that's uh, out of the north or or kind of south southeast, then you're starting to look at playing most of the holes straight down and straight into. And although these guys are brilliant, you can hold off when it's really hard and fast. You're coming in downwind is probably harder than playing into the wind because you're landing things short and just hoping you get the right bounce and it runs out to the right direction. So I think from my point of view, certainly uh, they get a standard kind of westerly breeze where it's coming across the golf course. They can use that to feed into flags easiest. 
So it sounds like you're 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 really saying the key for the week is going to be approach play, which you know tends to be key in in most golf tournaments, right? Um, but I mean, one of the things I you've already kind of alluded to it. One of the things we realize, and we're based out of Augusta, Georgia. You know, everybody talks about how when you get to Augusta National, you don't realize how much slope is on the property and on the greens. I definitely did not expect the amount of slope on the old course greens that I saw when we got there. Uh, I expected them to be much flatter. There was a ton of slope and undulation um, and a lot of trouble from from chipping around them to, God forbid, having to get out of a bunker near those greens or, or just putting on them in general. Um, and I, I, I could totally see where like, creativity and and touch around those greens is important um so i mean i speak to that just a little bit just like the 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 conditions around the greens and what these guys have to do to be able to get it in the hole when they get you know when they get up there and they get an opportunity i think with any links golf course and the old course is no different i think the the variety of shots that it can lead to around the greens is is the great thing um guys who watch the PG Tour on a regular basis, it's pretty much as soon as they miss the green, they pull the 58 or the lob wedge out and they, they're walking from 150 yep. yards out and they know what shot they're going to hit. Yeah. When yep. you get to the links, you, you don't pull the club, you walk up and yep. you find out what you've got because you could have a variety of four different shots. You could be able to pull the lob wedge out off a tight line and take over a slope and, and check one up and let it release. You could get the nine iron or a pitching wedge out and bump and run something up a slope and even pass the flag and use some of the slopes on the green to feed it back down. Same guy, you'll see a lot of guys take the putter out this week. And even from maybe 30, 40 yards short of some of these greens, you'll see guys putting from 30, 40 yards out because the fairways are running tremendous. Um, they are firm. So a lot of guys will, will instead of taking the the, the wedge from 30 or 40 yards and, and it's a really tight uh, cut that they've got at the moment. Some guys will take the putter out from there and use that. But for the, the slopes around the greens, there's a few a few holes out there that are, are flat. Um, I'm thinking of like the nine's a pretty flat green, but nine's a brilliant green because there is so many little subtleties to it that it's actually more challenging to hold a putt. You will see multiple pros next week uh, in the open, miss 10, 12 footers that they thought were dead center and the last minute it just breaks off a little. It's a great subtle green. Uh, and I think that being so flat, the approach playing to that is key. The guys have got to trust their number because it just doesn't look as far as it is. You'll see lots of guys come up short playing into nine. They'll come up that four or five yard short of the flag or even six, seven yard short. And instead of having a, a comfortable 10 footer that's a really keen to make you've got 20 feet and now you're you're hoping to make it instead of expecting and i think that's a a subtlety that you don't see on tv uh and then you can get on some of the greens as you well know you've seen it now you get to the 11th par three that thing can get out of hand pretty quick when the, the wind gets up you've got the shelf on the left hand side of the green there that they flattened a little bit to be able to put some pins in there for the open but that's still got a good slope from back front if you put that pin up on the, the back back right section of that green it's a steep uphill slope that you're going to put up to uh with a big swing on it as well uh and these guys are trying to just hit the middle of the green and two putt and get out of there uh and that's key uh, i think most of the most of the pros next week will have really good uh, greens and regulation stats but some of their putting stats might suffer a little bit next week 
we're not going to see great three putt avoidance stats on that golf course. And and yeah. certainly if you talk to the, the caddy that I had out there, our friend, Robert Thorpe, great caddy, by the way, uh, he saw a lot of three putts out of my ass. That's <laughs> um, a standard practice. Don't yeah. worry. All right. Who's your pick to win? Who's your pick? We're going to put you on the spot, Fraser. Who's your pick? I tell you, I, the only advice I will give anybody is keep your money in your pocket until the draw Ways, is made. Yeah. And until you check the weather forecast, because the wrong side of the drop, yep. Justin Thomas is one of the guys that I've heard whinge more than anybody else about the yep. wrong side of the draw. And trust me, in an open championship, the wrong side of the draw is a thing. Yep. Before anyone parts with any hard-earned money, <laughs> have a look at that draw and have a look at the wooden conditions for the first couple of days and then try and pick your winner from there. But I think, as we've said before, everybody in the field genuinely has a chance because uh as long as you can stay out the bunkers off the tee which most of these guys can um you've got a lot of scoring clubs coming in and then it'll come down to who can hold enough putt so you could see anybody like a, a cam smith run the tables um or you could see someone yeah. like wacky neiman get hot and and go through or and no one's going to count out scottish effort or anything like that yeah. but i genuinely think it is a wide open championship that anyone can come through I mean, even at the Scottish right now, like it, it didn't look like a huge advantage, but there's, there's been an advantage, right? The guys that got out early on Thursday morning at, at the Renaissance club, you know, ha- had a chance, a little, a small window to score and kind of get a head start. And then that wind came in and anybody who played in the afternoon on Thursday that didn't get a decent round in is probably pretty boned for, for the, for, for Friday. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know I was always keen to, check the weather forecast and make sure Thursday morning wasn't too windy and, and I was more than delighted to, to get an early morning Thursday morning start and you can get out there and make some birdies early especially on the old course you're looking to make a score through the first 12 holes Yeah, and then from 13, 13 onwards you, if you can play par golf through 17 and then your final birdie chance on 18 you're, that's awesome if you can be 5-6 under you know, on a daily basis through that front 12 holes and then get to 18 at five, six still under, you're in with a great shout every day. Fraser, listen, we thank you for your time, man. Uh, I appreciate you hopping on the Tour Junkies podcast and uh, we'll be watching and paying attention and, and we love the Open. We got a bunch of caddy friends that'll be in the caddy house there. You know, our buddy Aaron Fleener, you know, it'll be his first time to Scotland. We call him Big Cat. He caddies for JT Poston. Uh, let me tell you, if, if your caddy guys love some country music, you know, you need to have Aaron Fleener stand up and sing a little Garth Brooks for everybody in the caddy house and tell them, tell them the tour junkies tipped you off that, uh, that, that he, he had, a, the, you know, the voice of an angel. Uh, you tell them to come and see me then. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I don't mind a bit of Luke Coombs or, or, or bits yeah. of music like that. So, yeah, you tell them to come and, come and see me up at the uh, first tee. Uh, we're right next to the recorder. So, so send them my direction. Oh, we'll yes. Them, that's for sure. Yes, we'll put them on the map. Sounds good. There Thank you, go. you Fraser. We appreciate you coming on. All right, guys. All right, that is the interview with our boy Frazier, the caddy master at the old course. Now, listen, if you're wondering where's Pat, hang on. He's about to be here, okay? If you're like, DB, I'm tired of seeing just you in these freaking, in these freaking videos. You know, I'm about to introduce Pat. We have a very special treat for you tonight to open up the Open Championship show, which we are so excited for. You know, it's, we're going to do it a little different tonight. You heard that in the intro. Breaking down the DFS slate. We're ready for the old course. Fresh off our Scotland trip. Inspired by our friends over there at the home of golf in Scotland. And um, 
I, I couldn't be happier. As all as always, we're presented to you by our friends at Fantasy National. FantasyNational.com is where you need to go to get all the stats, everything you need, everything you need from a betting, DFS, golf standpoint is all right there. We've been using them for five years or so. Uh, they are the best when it comes to you know lineup builders, optimizers. Uh, if you do betting, they have all the betting tools that you need. Uh, and all you got to do is go to fantasynational.com slash TJ, promo code Tour Junkies, gets you 20% off any level membership. They have weekly, monthly, and annual memberships for you to try out. And if you use the promo code and then you upgrade the membership, you still get to keep the 20% off. So give it a test drive for the Open Championship. You're going to need it. All the recent forms, strokes gained data, you can build your own models. We're going to talk about that tonight. Anything that we reference in terms of a stat is pretty much coming from Fantasy National, and it has for the last five years. So fantasynational.com slash TJ is where it's at, and we appreciate them supporting the podcast. Now, without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Mr. Pat Perry. Sons of TJ Nation! I am Pat William Wallace Perry. Coolio Wallace. And I see a whole army of golf addicts here ready to play DFS. <laughs> you have come here to roster six men. And six men you are free to roster on DK. Woo! What would you do without that freedom? Would you play FanDuel? No. Well, maybe. I run models and you'll win. Join the Nut Hut and Fantasy National with promo code TJ and your screens will become green. Yeah! But never will you overexpose yourself to Keegan Bradley. Oh, well, maybe. Why not? Why not? And lying in your bed many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the six of sixes from this day for one chance, just one chance to early screenshot the thousands you're winning on Thursday? Maybe. Why? Because they may take our $5 single entries, but they will never drink our podcast juice. Yeah! Tequila, yeah! Yeah! Woo! Ha! I'm ready for the open, DB. Got the old core, St. Andrew. Dude, that fired me up, man. Uh, yes. That was great. <laughs> Bravo, Pat. Oh, I'm just ready, man. I'm ready for the open. God, that was amazing. If you're a podcast listener, I mean, dude, I legitimately got goosebumps. I feel like the levels may be off a little bit on the sound. <laughs> was so good. I got goosebumps at one point. I don't know what that says about my DraftKings addiction or my excitement for the Open Championship, but uh, it definitely fired me up, man. That was beautiful. Mm. And I love the braids, the commitment to the braids, the face paint. What is, 
What did you use for face paint there? That looks uh, that looks homemade. Did you? Is that? No, it's it's uh, it's from uh, a local store. You know, don't have a lot of face paint around here when it's not Halloween. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I noticed that you yeah. know in the pictures he has break. I don't have the hair for William Wallace, obviously. I didn't have time to get the wig, so I noticed he's got these little side braids. <laughs> so that's what I got. Coolio Wallace, got. baby. That's what I got here. God dang it, man! You're a beautiful, you're a beautiful man, and that's a beautiful yeah. speech. And I appreciate you, uh, you being committed to that. Now, you know you're paying off a bet that you lost. Um, the the Denny's bet is officially paid, yeah. uh, and I will be yeah. paying the Edward Forty Hands bet uh, on the betting show. And uh, by the way, speaking of podcast shoes, you brought it up. I'm I'm sucking down some tequila tonight. I've made a very generous pour of Paloma. That's what I'm going with. I saw yeah. you chug the beer. Well, I chugged a little bit of a beer, so that's mm-hmm. kind of a backup. But I, I'm going with a little Tito's this evening. Tito's, so, um, okay. It's you know we're recording on a Friday night, so love you it. Know, it's it's uh, I am, can go with the Tito's. I'm also using my uh, Dun Vegan oh. St. Andrews coaster tonight. Oh, you as well? Yeah, oh. yeah. Stole those from the Dun Vegan. Praise God. Um, God dang, I'm excited about the Open Championship. I love the interview with our boy Frazier Riddler, the caddy master um, at St. Andrews. Gave us a lot of great, great information there. Let's get into it, Pat. So we're going to do a little different tonight. It is the Friday night before the Open Championship. It's Scottish Open Friday night. So we've seen who's made the cut, who's missed the cut. But obviously we're far out, right? Like we're far out from the uh, being able to really lock some things in. But we wanted to run through the DFS pricing, the DFS slate, talk through where we think things might happen. So it's going to be a little different format. We're not going to be giving you our, our hard and fast picks, you know, like we do on a weekly Monday night. Because, you know, if you were paying attention to our boy, Frazier, the thing that he said, the one, the number one tip that he gave the people was be patient. Okay. Now, Pat's all got us all hot and lathered and, you know, touching ourselves or maybe a, maybe a family member. But you got to contain the excitement a little bit, right? You, you got to be patient because it's open week. I know everybody's antsy. You know, I talked about it on Twitter a little bit today. Don't blow your, your, your wad early and hold your unit. Just hold your unit. That's, if that, that's the word. That's the phrase for the weekend, you know? Hold your unit. Don't yeah. fire yet because the tea time wave advantage is a real thing here at the open, you know, at the open almost every year. And the wind is a real thing. And we're going to see what's up, what's up, okay? So let's hold off. Now, later on in the week, we will probably do another DraftKings show. It may just be me and a guest, or maybe me, I don't know. Uh, we'll do a DraftKings show uh, where we're a little more established on weather and all that kind of stuff. But let's talk about some things to remember, Pat. And, you know, I think we start with some of the things, the other things that Frazier mentioned. Like, anything stand out to you outside of the... Uh, you know, outside of obviously the, the be patient part that Frazier was talking about. Well, you know, he talked about the, the firm and fast conditions and he hopes that they stay that way. Um, and yeah. I think that's important. Um, you know, when we were there, we didn't have a lot of rain either. And, and they were pretty, they were pretty firm and fast. Um, but I think when you get that firm and fast, um, you know, those conditions, it, it does bring a lot of players into the, into the fold. He mentioned that, that, you know, not just the bombers are going to be, you know, the ones to look at if it if it gets um, if it gets firm and fast. So, I, and they want that. They want those greens quick, um, and they want the fairways quick. So they're rolling out, you know, out of the fairway into those bunkers and whatever else. So I mean, that's just how that course is designed to play. 
so that was that was one thing that you know really kind of just stood out for me other than you know definitely him talking about the the weather and the wind and that kind of thing I think the winning score was also interesting. I mean, it's, it's interesting that RNA doesn't really care what the winning score turns out to be. But, he, you know, he, he definitely makes it sound like this place is gettable. And we know it is if it doesn't get the weather. We, you know, um, it, it, they can't stretch it out as long as they'd like to for major championships. It's a par 72 playing around 7,300 yards, two par threes and two par fives. That's it. But the, the par fours are, are pretty gettable. Uh, the par threes aren't super long by most tour standards if you will i think the longest one's like 188 from the tips Mm -hmm. or something so it's it's definitely gettable it's all going to be wind dependent but i mean he said if we get no real wind he was like dude this thing could creep up to 17 or 18 under which is definitely gonna bring a lot of variance in and of itself even without the weather when you have a birdie fest like that uh it'll be it'll be interesting but you know he kind of felt like that 11 to 13, 14 under might be the winning score. But if it's very tough, if the conditions are whatever, you know, pretty, pretty windy uh, and brutal, it could be, you know, five under to eight under. But he still felt like it was going to be under par. This is not like a U.S. Open situation uh, at, at the old course. But, yeah, I love that it's playing firm. All the stuff he gave on the wind I thought was interesting. Like, in fact, he mentioned that as far as, like, what's tough for, the, for a first-timer or somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience on this golf course. He mentioned the wind being the number one thing, which I thought was unique. Um, so they got to kind of get their bearings with that quickly if they get up there to the old course and start practicing, you know, early. But uh, I also thought the wind intel was interesting, and some of the questions I was asking him was, was kind of along the prize pick vein, which if you're in the nut hut, we're constantly dishing out prize picks plays. and people winning a bunch of money there. Um, so that's one reason why I asked that. So we'll talk about that further in the nut hut and, uh, maybe you can take notes on that. Other than that, I mean, he pretty much said, this is about your approach play, dealing with the wind, controlling your ball flight, um, controlling trajectory, controlling your distances, and then it's creativity. It's touch around and on the greens. Cause as you and I know, even when you're on the green, I mean, he talked about all the three putts out here and the three putt avoidance and, you know, the distance putts that you handled very well at the old course. I handled very poorly at the old course. (laughs) Well, that was another thing that I would point out was that three putt avoidance. Um, You really do have to be, you know, when we think about being creative around the greens, we don't just, you know, a lot of times we just think scrambling. Yeah. But you actually have to be creative with your, with your putting on, especially on these greens, because there's a ton of undulation they're big greens. I mean, they, you know, you can, you can have a, a very long putt out here. You've got to be creative with, you got to know the contours of the greens. Um, I think having a, a caddy that knows his stuff really well, just like Frazier does, um, is important for these guys experience, that kind of thing. Um, because I do think these, these greens are very tough and you've got to be able to know how to put them. And, um, so I, I think that's definitely important. And one of the things that I heard him say, uh, in that interview. Yeah, I mean, the the Open Championship is one of those, especially when it's at St. Andrews. It's a lot like the Masters where, like, experience comes into play, and it is a real thing. Open Championship performance, Lynx golf performance is all a very real thing to look at. We'll talk about it tonight. Uh, and, and we also see plenty of guys, in, I mean, you know, we see a lot of Open Champions arrive having flashed some really solid form in the weeks leading up to it. Uh, and, and also a lot of a lot of good performances coming out of the Scottish Open, which is finishing up right now uh, over the weekend. So that's something to look at. Zach Johnson won here the last time it was at the old course in 2015 at 15 under. He beat Louis Oosthuizen and Mark Leishman in a playoff. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen won in 2010 
and Tiger won in 2005 and 2000, uh, just to give you an idea. And there's a lot of names here this week that, are, that were also here in 2015, and we, we'll bring those up um, as we get to them. I think another thing to look at, just uh, as you're looking at Lynx Golf record, obviously the Scottish Open is, is one to watch. Uh, the Irish Open the week before the Scottish, but the Alfred Dunhill Lynx, which Pat and I played uh, all, all three courses of the Alfred Dunhill Lynx rotation. That golf tournament on the DP World Tour is a big one. There's a lot of big names that play in it, but it's contended on three golf courses, Kings Barnes, Carnoustie, and the old course. And if you make the cut, you play the old course twice. So mm-hmm. there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Alfred Dunhill Lynx correlation. A lot of big names play in that. We'll talk about winners, past performance of that, but that would be another golf course. You know, if you look at the old course and go, well, man, they haven't played here since 2015. You know, go back and look at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx event. I think that's important as well. Um, anything else in terms of, I mean, obviously, like we said, we need to wait on the weather. Uh, I, I do think, though, with the weather, this will be in our email on Wednesday, the Chalk Bomb email, and we'll obviously talk about it in the Wednesday night chat. But, you know, stacking waves, it's probably not a bad idea, even if there looks to be a clear wave advantage one way. Probably not a bad idea to still stack the opposite wave just in, in case this Scottish weather changes on a dime, which it can, uh, and, and it can impact scores a lot. So, you know, if you're playing mass entry contests, it's probably a good idea to hedge a little bit one direction um, and, uh, and be ready to stack both, uh, both, both waves if you need to. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, it's a major championship week. So obviously a stacked field. You can't play all the studs. We're, we, we talk about that. You're going to have to plant your flag and fade some guys. But there is some chalk out there you can eat. We'll talk about that. Anything else, Pat, like in terms of just reminders, things to kind of I, set the table? I think heading into now that we've seen what happened today, really, with the Scottish Open and the cut, like I, I think that it's already made me not put a whole lot of stock in the Scottish Open with some of the. I mean, there was a ton of guys that mm. were very big name players that, re- and I thought this would happen. And I should have actually, when I was building my lineups for the Scottish, I, I should have actually been more convicted with thinking what I thought, which is what there's a lot of guys that I'm not saying they're mail, they mailed it in, but there's a lot of guys that I think were just trying a bunch of stuff. It's not a true links test anyway. Um, so that they were playing. So I think that was one thing. I think if they actually had a true links test, they may have tried to really, you know, play this tournament a little bit different at the Scottish, but I just, I don't know. I mean, I know it's Friday and we've just got the cut line. So we don't know who's going to win, but I still already don't know how much stock I'm going to put it all in the Scottish. Open. I mean, it's not like the best links course to me. Obviously the Renaissance club built in like 2008 and it was Tom Doak design, like irritates the crap out of me that that's what they picked to play the Scottish open. I mean, at least you have this, it was firm. We saw conditions were firm, and at least for today, especially Friday, there was win, and these guys oh, were yeah. contending it, in win. It was tough for them. Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, so I think it's I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on both in in both ways. Like, if a guy missed the cut, I, I don't think it's a huge deal. Like even Justin Thomas, who missed it like plus yeah. ten, and the cut was yeah. like plus three. I, I just don't, don't even. I don't care. Right, no. but a guy you know like Jordan Smith making the cut and playing well, like to me, I kind of give him an uptick there. I mean, now he's had a good year leading up to this anyway, and he's a good player, but 
Like, I do think there are some lesser-known names if they've made it well, if they've made it through the weekend and they're playing well. I don't hate that either. Like, I'm not throwing that yeah, I agree part out. With that. I'm not going to yeah. throw that part out. But yeah, like a, I mean, there are some huge names. You're right. Like, I mean, Scheffler, Zalatoris, uh, Morikawa, Bobby Mack, Scheffler, uh, Keegan. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all these JT, Cameron Young, all this guy's trunk slammed. So yeah. I do, I, I think that's a good point. Bringing up the Scottish is, is something I, I think we throw out. And, you know, for guys like JT and Scheffler and those dudes, like they've already been over here getting acclimated. They played the JP McManus thing. You know, I mean, if they're, if they're out of it by a, a good ways on the back nine on Friday at the Scottish. There's no reason they're trying. There, there's no reason for them to actually try, to be honest, to make the cut. Right. I, it almost feels like you're right. Like, they're probably trying something. You know, like, anyway. I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. Uh, all right, for the comments tonight, now we're going to do a giveaway here. On the YouTube channel, we always ask for comments. It's important. On a major championship week, uh, it helps get our, our video in front of more people and more eyeballs. That's what we want. Uh, so we're going to give a free Tour Junkies Open Championship t-shirt, which we've got those made. Now, you're not going to get it before the Open Championship, so whatever. We'll, give a, we'll pick somebody in the comments. It's a free t-shirt, so whatever. Who cares? We'll give somebody in the comments a free t-shirt. Uh, we'll select you at random. Leave a good comment. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. By the way, like you've already heard, the giveaway that we're doing uh, in, the caddy, in the caddy interview, you heard about the giveaway. So subscribing to the YouTube channel is a way that you can earn an entry. So subscribe to the channel, like, comment this, your favorite sports-related podcast or YouTube channel. Drop that in the comments. We are interested to know that. Uh, and uh, share the video as well. Pass it along to a friend, a buddy, family member that likes golf. Send it to them, all right? Send, let them, Pat speech. Like, what, how, how could you not pass that on to somebody? All right, Pat, let's talk about the top range. We're going to do this different. Let's talk about the 10K and 11K guys to start. Uh, so you've got Rory McIlroy at 11-1, Scotty Scheffler at 11, John Rahm at 10-8, Justin Thomas at 10-5, Colin Morikawa at 10-3, and Jordan Spieth at, uh, at 10-K. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, obviously with these guys, with these players, there's plenty of reasons to pick any of these guys. I guess mm -hmm. the first question is, who do we think, maybe the easiest question answers, who do you think is going to be the least popular play out of this range and that that again could depend on a lot of things a lot of content's going to come out between here and now or you know between now and then a lot of you know the tea time weather advantage is going to come out but do we have an early lean on who we think people might skip i think it's probably either i think it's probably morikawa which is crazy because he's your defending open champion but based on his recent play and his uh it, the, the Open Championship kind of felt a little fluky for him last year as he came off the Scottish, missing the cut and going. He had the quote about, you know, where he said, like, yeah, it was hard for me. I, I felt like I didn't understand how my irons were going to interact with the turf or whatever it was. Um, you know, that, that was interesting. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think? Is it going to be more a cow or do you think it's something else? I mean, to me, it's going to be more a cow. I, I think, you know, we just talked about the Scottish being something that I don't really want to look at too much, especially for some of these top guys that missed the cut. But I mean, if you're looking at Morikawa, he hasn't been playing great lately. He did have that, you know, top 10 at the U S open, but um, he's a defending champ, which tends to sometimes for some reason, which really isn't that shouldn't really mean all that much, you know, tends to lower the ownership a little bit. Um, 
So I think it is going to be Morikawa because I don't see how JT. I don't think people. I think people are going to ignore ignore Scottish Open for JT, but actually pay attention to it with Kawa. May sound a little off, but I think they will. John Rahm, I don't think is going to lose any ownership. You know, I think he's going to be about where whatever whatever it is he's going to be. Scheffler, Rory, of course, are going to be you know pretty high owned. I mean. There's really not anybody other than Morikawa. Well, I, you know, and then you've got Jordan, who, you know, has he's gained 54 strokes total at the Open Championship in the last five years. Yeah. Uh, second to him would be Rory, Rory in this range at 36, almost at 37 strokes gained. But, you know, when you're looking at JT, like, I mean, I guess you do have the fact that Morikawa is your defending champ. He did finish fifth at the U.S. Open. Uh, better than JT finished in the U.S. Open, coming off, uh, coming off his... Uh, third place at RBC Canadian and winning the PGA a couple weeks prior. But then you have, you, you have JT's record in the last few years at the Open Championship has not been great. Um, only one top 15. He had a T11 in 2019. Like, honestly, in terms of last five years, like, JT's probably your worst history in the last five years here. So maybe that, maybe that combined with the, like, double-digit plus 10 at the Scottish potentially throws people out of there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think JT could be the one that you would look at just based off his open, you know, championship history and and that kind of thing that, of of a guy that you may avoid. But but you certainly um, know that like JT's just short game so is way better yeah. than Colin Morikawa's. Yeah, like over the long term, he's a better he's a, he's just a better short game guy in terms of around the greens, which which you're going to need around here for sure. I also don't, I don't, you know, we already mentioned being pretty creative on the greens and around the greens, and I just don't see if, I don't really see that with Morikawa. No, 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 no. At all. Like, I, I just, I don't think this is a good, like, you know, last year is, is last year, and, and that's another thing with, you know, is, is they obviously rotate these courses, and it's just totally different, and I, I don't, I just, I think Morikawa is a, a really good fade in here. In my opinion, I just don't see him really playing well on this course. In terms of like my favorite play, I just still love Jordan here. Um, and, and I'd be willing to eat a little chalk on him considering I get a price break on him, considering uh, I think he's, you know, I picked him for the Scottish Open. He's on the betting card. He, he doesn't look to be really in the conversation to win right now, but given the scores, it could, it could change. Uh, but he's playing, he's playing solid. I love him here. When we played the old course, I, I immediately brought up two names, and one was Jordan Spieth, and the next one we'll talk about in the next range. It just feels like one of those golf courses for him. So for me, like Jordan and Rory may be my two favorites. Like, and, and I don't love that Rory's last two Open champions haven't, championships haven't been that great. But other than that, like he's played great in Open championships. He was T5 here in 2015. He was T3 here in 2010. And I believe he's played, uh, yeah, he was 23rd in the 2019 Alfred Dunhill links. Um, so, like, he's got plenty of loops around here, and he's playing so well right now. And I just feel like Rory, if, to me, it feels like Rory's a little hungrier in 2022 to close the door on a major than he's felt in a couple of years. Does it feel yeah, that I way agree. to you? I agree, and it's 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 obviously his last chance this year. But the way he's played, his form, everything else, I, I love Rory here. I think he's just got to you know, in between the ears, has got to be in, in a good spot. And um, I, I feel like this is a course though where 
he's he's not going to feel as much pressure as he as he normally does. Um, and he did. We know. I mean, obviously at the PGA Championship, he started off with a good round, which was you know has been unusual for him in majors. Um, so I I and you know I'm a huge fan of Rory anyway. Yeah. So Rory is probably one of you know definitely one of my favorite plays up here uh, in the 10K. Um, I, I would say that you know my, I'm with you. Really, my two favorites are Jordan and, and Rory. So there's early um, agreement here. Early yeah. agreement. Um, well, that's the you know 10K and 11K range. You know, those are the studs. A lot of people can figure that out. We're going to work down the board. Before we do, I'm excited to tell the people that the the custom Tour Junkies coffee flavors <gasps> by our <gasps> friends at Front Nine Coffee have arrived, and you can order them right now if you go to FrontNineCoffee.com. Now we have two different promo codes for you tonight because you can get mm. a sample of my flavor and Pat's flavor, and we will reveal to you now on YouTube the labels for these and tell you a little bit about the coffees. But you can go to front9coffee.com. That's front, the number nine, coffee.com. Promo code TJ10 gets you 10% off any order if you just want to buy one bag. Great local small business started here in Augusta that we're supporting, and they're supporting us for the, uh, for the long haul here, and we're proud of them. Uh, and they're fresh, freshly roasting the coffee after you order it, so it arrives to your door anywhere in the U.S. and Canada within just a few days, fresh and customized for you. It's coffee for golfers. These people love coffee, and they love golf. What, what, it couldn't get any better. But without further ado, let's do the big reveal here, Pat. Now, I don't have the greatest images of these, but you can see these on the Front9Coffee.com website. And the first one is, uh, I'll save the best for last. Uh, the first one is Pat's. Okay, this is Pat Perry's bump and run, baby. Look at that yes. low, that label. It is a dark roast espresso, and I, I, you know, I'm sure it is delicious, Pat. God, it looks so good, it doesn't it? Uh, so really proud of that one. And then this is the best one that you're gonna get. Uh, this is my. Nope, that's not the best one. Large nope. bucket of nuts, hazelnut blend. It is a lovely morning coffee. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, and it's bold, you know, just like DB's Big Balls betting card. So here's the deal. Right now, you can go to front9coffee.com and with promo code TJ2, that's TJ and the number two, you will get a two and a half ounce sample bag of each. So you can try them both. And, uh, and that's with, um, that's with any, that, that's with any order that's, that you buy two bags or more. And so if you bought two bags and you use the promo code TJ2, you'll get the two bags you bought, the sample of each flavor, and shipping for a total of 36 bucks. Pretty good deal for some fresh artisan, dry, you know, fresh roasted, helping out a local business coffee company. So check that out at front9coffee.com and uh, tell us which flavor you like the most. I'm sure it's the large bucket of nuts, hazelnut blend. All right, Pat, the 9K range. The 9K range where some decisions will be made. Tons of studs here between Xander's playing so good right now, Fitzpatrick. Uh, then you got names like Zal Torres, who just missed the cut. DJ, you got Liv DJ, you got Hovland, who missed the cut, um, you know, it, uh, at, the, uh, at the Scottish, but apparently didn't have his golf clubs. Hideki, who trunk slammed at the Scottish. Shane Lowry, Open champion in 2019, I believe. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, Cam Smith, those guys. So first of all, let me ask you this. What do you think about Liv DJ at this point? Is he, is DJ, I mean, because I think the, the fact is, I predict that the two lowest owned players here, just without knowing anything about a weather wave, will be Victor Hovland 
and will be Dustin Johnson. So do either entice you, and what do you think about all live live DJ? <laughs> I, I agree. I think that you're right on those two. Um, Live DJ actually interests me a little bit. Really? Um, I did not see that coming. Yeah, it does. I, I, I don't... I will say this. Without getting into a Live argument, I have not really watched much of it. So I don't even know how he's finished, to be honest. He, he played all right in Portland. Uh, he had a shot in Portland, and then he, uh, but he did not play well in the first event, I think. Yeah, but I mean, he is a guy that's, you know, tended to play fairly well in open championships, top 10 last year, top 10 in 2016, kind of, kind of bad between then those two, I guess. Uh, Wait, yeah, Yeah. between those two. But I mean, I don't know. He does interest me a little bit, especially if he's going to get some lower ownership just because of live, like almost want to like take advantage of that. I do not see him winning, though. I just don't see him winning at all. Um, so you, you're going to have to get some, but you, are, you know, at this price level, you got to have some upside. I could see, like maybe though, like a top five or something like that. Him in contention on Sunday, and I just don't see him winning. But still, I, I'm interested a little bit in DJ. I'm not at all in Victor Hovland. I just haven't yeah. seen anything from Victor Hovland that's that's maybe. And I know I I. I talked about him earlier this year in majors and I was, but I'm, I'm kind of, well, obviously I've been proven wrong a little bit and I just, I don't really like what I'm seeing out of Victor. It just has not really been a very good year for him for the most part. There's just nothing about Victor that gives you any confidence to want to play him in here. And I think he is going to be, he'll definitely be the lowest owned guy over nine K there. I don't see any way around. There's no way. around. I mean, I think it could be DJ. I think it could be DJ or Victor. Just for the live stuff. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I guess DJ is definitely is still more enticing to me than Victor, actually. Uh, I mean, for Victor, I, I talked about him on the fades video. I, f- I did a fade video for the Scottish, and he was in there. And, you know, for all the talk about Victor working on his chipping and short game, when you look at the data, he's actually, his long-term data around the short game is better than his last 50, 36, 24, even 70 rounds, 75 rounds. He's not gotten better. And, and I, don't, I don't care if the wind blows or not. You're still going to have to have some short game at the old course. You, you just are. I mean, we played it on a mild day, and we're not pros, but you're, you're still going to have some tough rolls, and you're still going to get in these pot bunkers, and you're still going to have these long putts that require touch, or you're still going to have to you know, chip off these you know, tight lies around the greens and carry a massive slope. Like, it just doesn't play for me. So to me, Hovland, I, I will not be tempted even if the ownership is single digits, it, it's not promising enough to me uh, just yet either with Victor Hovland. Yeah, absolutely. So, I agree. A question I was going to ask you, and I'll answer it first. Can you start a GPP lineup in the 9K range? I think you can. I think we've seen it in open championships before. We've seen it in majors before where the 10K range, the, the 10K and above range, you know, doesn't, the winner doesn't come out of that range. And yeah, you probably are going to get some decent, you know, some guys who score in the top 10 or whatever and DraftKings points that end up up there. But a lot of that, a lot of times you've been able to fade that range in a major when the field is deep and it doesn't kill you. And especially at the open where there's a lot of variance, I think you can 100% differentiate yourself a little bit and, and fade the, the, the players above 9K. I do think that, you know, a balanced build will be, something that people do, but I, I just don't, I don't think 
too many people are going to leave you know, guys from Jordan up to Rory out of their lineups. But I think it's possible, considering how well Xander Schauffele, Matt Fitzpatrick is playing right now. Um, you know, people can definitely stack those two guys and run. Now, I, I think Will Zalatoris is interesting because when I get from Frazier the winning score prediction, you know, we, I talked about this on the Scottish show. I think it was with you, or, or I don't remember if it was the one I did by myself, but like, the birdie fest scare me a little bit with Willie Z, just because mm-hmm. you just re- you're re- required to make more putts, and in major championships where that he's played well in, where the winning score has been you know single digits for sure, you know it just hasn't it hasn't been an issue for him, and he's putted well. Like he definitely you know he's flashed the putter at times, but I don't know if I, I you know if it if the wind looks mild and it doesn't look like it's going to play that tough, and Willie Z's chalky. I'm fine. I'm fine fading him, honestly, at that point. What do yeah. you think? I, no, I don't disagree. Um, you know, one thing, this paint on my face is itchy. <laughs> just really scratch is, it, buddy. Just get it. Just do it's what you kind of do. Like I'm, I feel like I, I, it's just like. You have the one braid, like, pointing just directly to the, to the east there. I don't know. It's yeah. Just, it's lovely. Well, well, there's another braid over. Over here, you just can't really oh, see it. Okay, there it is. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think you can start a, a GPP lineup in, in this nine K range. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of good guys here. I, the thing about it for me, though, is I mean, I think you can do it. I mean, it's it's not gonna maybe kill your lineups, but the problem I'm gonna have is that like I'm gonna have a hard time leaving out a Jordan or a Rory. And going from there, because I, I still think there's a lot of guys here when we get into the seven and the six K range that we can we can work with here going, it, you know, going with some of these guys in the 10 K range. But I do think, um, you know, if you want to be a little bit different, this is where you start is in the nine K range, you know, and there's guys here that I love, like a Hideki I actually like. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk about Hideki because he, his open record the last few attempts is not great it's not good but it's actually not bad at the old course because he finished in the top 20 there it's actually his best finish in you know in the open championship over the last you know six years or whatever it is so that's that's one thing i like about hideki i mean he had well, I say that he did have a top 15 and sorry in 2017, but missed cuts across the board after that. But in 2015, T18 here. It feels like, uh, you know, too. And the, the other thing with the is like everybody talks about his ball striking. Oh, my God, he's, he's just such a great ball striker, which he is. But because his ball striking is so good, his short game oftentimes doesn't get talked about enough because he's one of the best. You know, he's he's, he's so consistent you know, around the green, long-term, short-term. He's just very, very solid around the green. So I think if Hideki is a, is a – I think if he's a potential pivot in this range, I'm definitely down for that. I, I love it. And, and he's also – a couple other things. Um, I always look at bogey avoidance in majors. He's 12th in the field there. Yeah. He's 12th in the field in three-putt avoidance, which, you know, mm, Caddy – Love that. You know, yeah. Mr. Frazier mentioned. Yeah. So he's 12th there. Um, and he's top 10 in approach, which is another stat that, you know, we always look at. So Hideki has a lot of things that, like, really, you know, look good for him to, to finish well on the, in, this, 
in this tournament. And so I think Hideki is, and I would love to get a low owned Hideki here. Yeah, I, I would take, now that's a low owned pivot I can get down with. Uh, another one for me, and I'm wondering if he'll be low owned. Maybe he won't be, but I mean, you can't, I mean, you can play all, you can play a lot of these guys. If you, if you start in this range, you can get three of them in there for sure. But um, I, I like, I, I'm wondering what people are going to do with Shane Lowry. With Shane yeah, Lowry like coming off, you know, a miscut at the uh, at the U.S. Open, he seems like the the heater he was on has kind of been forgotten, or like other guys have kind of lapped him or whatever. But your your 2019 Open champion, T uh, twelve here last year, um, and then you know, kind of a poor run in the in the middle of his Open record, and then a T ten in or T nine in 2014. But his Alfred Dunhill links form last year finished fourth at this event or play, playing the old course twice in 2019 finished 15th. Like I, and, and he's another guy who just good ball striker, good short game. And I'm wondering if Lowry gets a little forgotten, maybe. Um, I'm I think if he there. gets forgotten, it's, it's a mistake a little bit here because I, agree. I mean, we've been on him all year, you know, both of us, and he's come so close to winning for us, you know, especially when you talk about some of the bets that we've made and yeah. we just, just haven't come through. Luckily, actually, when he lost the Honda, we had Substraxer. Yeah. So it didn't really matter. But still, um, you know, I, I think you would be mistaken to go off of Lowry, especially just thinking about his most you know recent couple tournaments. He's still in good form. This is a, a great fit for him. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Lowry and Hideki right there at the bottom. I guess the only other question is honestly, like, is there anyone else in here? Like, for me, Hovland is the only one that if I see him at super low ownership, I'm still not jumping on. Anybody else, including maybe DJ, anybody else at low ownership and as a possible pivot, I, I could definitely get down with. In a, you know, if, if none of that matters... You know, I, I think Xander and Matthew Fitzpatrick, there's no reason to fade either one of those guys other than ownership. It just it just really isn't. Both of them are playing tremendous. Um, Fitzpatrick, I think, said it today after his round. He feels like he's in the best form of his life. Um, Xander's playing hot. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I couldn't give you a reason to not play those guys unless it was chalk that you just didn't want to eat or didn't need to eat. But I think those guys are for sure chalk you could eat. Uh, I'm interested in Cam Smith a good bit. So he was the other name. When I talked about Jordan Spieth, when we got to the old course and I saw it and I saw Scotland golf and my eyes were opened, I said, Jordan Spieth and Cam Smith, like those are the guys. If, if stuff gets gnarly, if the weather gets gnarly, I will pound, you know, Fitzpatrick, Cam Smith, Shane Lowry in this range. Um, but, but Cam There's Smith a part is of me that me. for some reason worries about Cam Smith. Why is that? Like, I worry about his off the tee play. He doesn't a have bit. to like, hit driver out here very much, though. Like that's the. thing. I know, but I just worry that he gets himself. He's going to get himself into some terrible spots. He's so going to be like Jordan me on the. Spieth. So what, what if he's Spieth. like me? What if he's like me on the front nine at the whole course and he has every. Well, he's got he, he's got incredible short game. He'll be fine. I mean, it I, doesn't I, matter. It's still a penalty when you go in the bunkers. Yeah, I, I know what you mean about his his off the tee game is scary at times, but that, I do think that's mainly with the driver, but. Um, you know, I, I think I think I could look past it. He he just really entices me, if especially if it gets tough. Um, I tell you, you got me. You got me. Kind of. I was sort of high on Cantlay this past week for the Scottish, and now I'm down on him again for this tournament. I mean, I could get I could get on Cantlay at 9400. Like, oh, you could get on him. I could get I could 
I could. And I, I'm not like super excited about it. Like I would rather play again, like in a ownership thrown out the window, I'd rather have Shawflay, Fitzpatrick, and Smith and Lowry. But I, I could def if Cantlay's sitting there at like nine percent, ten percent, I'm in. But I don't think he will be. I mean, he's ninety ninety four hundred Cantlay's enticing, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Let's get to the AK range. All right. AK range, you got uh, Sam Burns, Louis Eustace, and Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, Sung J M, Corey Connors, Bryson, and Joaquin Neiman. Uh, obviously, I think we start with, let's start with the live three boys. And let's start with okay. Louis because, you know, winner here in 2010, uh, lost in a playoff in 2015. Tremendous record at the old course. Um, and, you know, while he's not really, we haven't really seen like highly competitive Louie, and I'm, I'm not including a live, a live golf event to this point, not yet. Um, if they add more talent, then we'll see. But we haven't really seen a highly competitive Louis Eustazen since maybe last year, in the, this time last year. So any interest in Louis, or what do you think people are going to do with Louis? Yeah, I think we're going to get a low-owned Louis again. Because um, he also withdrew, didn't he, from one of his... Um, what, what tournament was But was that? that leading up to the lift stuff? I mean, he... Uh, I don't know. I thought he withdrew from a tournament. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I am very interested in Louis. I, I just, I'm always interested in Louis and majors. I I'm mean, surprised. He, he, he always plays well in them. He just does. And he's comfortable here. I mean, we've seen it. Yeah. I mean, he's almost won it twice in a row on this course. So I, I think you've gotta you've gotta look at Louie on a guy on a on a course that he's very comfortable on, that he's won on, that he's almost won twice on. So I, I do like Louie. I'm not really paying attention to much with the live thing for him. Now Brooks and Bryson, a little bit different. I I don't think either of those two are in play for me at all this week. I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't, I I don't mean, think Bryson can. You know, he can overpower courses and do his thing. This is not a course, even though you have length mm-hmm. that you can overpower because you can mm-hmm. get yourself in a ton of different trouble mm-hmm. just all over the damn course if you're not even at least giving yourself, you know, a decent shot from a fairway or whatever else. Believe me. By the way, I, I've I don't. You know, I think if you look on the web or something official, you'll see the rough is like this like short rough. But let me just tell you, that's the rough immediately off the fairway. And yeah, it's yeah. not that bad. If you blow one, if you really whiff, you know, miss on one, you know, or, or the wind picks it up or so- something happens and you're in this tall stuff, it is no fun. Like you can lose your ball. You cannot find your ball. You can know exactly where it went in and not see your golf ball. We were there three yeah. weeks ago. I had mucho experience with this. Okay. So I've never lost so many balls in my life. Yeah, Pat. And I don't fair- lose. I don't lose a lot of balls. DB will tell yeah. like, you. Will actually admit I, I do not lose a lot of balls. I was gonna say you're a fairway finder. Like you don't lose balls, but I do, yeah. and I did, and you will if you miss it by too much. Like yeah, the rough right off the fairway, not that bad. But you get in that fescue stuff. It's thick and it's spotty. It's real thick in some places. It's not in others. Um, yeah. So just Bryson, I'm totally out on Brooks. I think I'm out on too. And it may be like it's enticing a little bit just with his open championship record. And I do see Brooks as a guy who obviously like 
has always said he soaks up majors, and even though he's gotten paid, like I feel like he would want nothing more than to just stick it to everybody who's on his jock right now about the whole live stuff and just like win a major. But I don't know that he's capable of it right now. Like he's shown no recent indicator in his play in majors or on live or at all that he's really even capable if he wanted to. So I'm out on Brooks for that reason. Louie, I'm probably also out on just because I like too many other names in this range. So for, the, for me and the Live Boys, I'm out. I do want to talk about a couple things. Uh, Terrell Hatton, who is normally a player I do not tend to roster, is one that I am very, I'm, I am like, mm. it, you know, I am, I'm smitten right now, potentially. Oh, you got some love in you, in your heart? Yeah, Cupid's little arrow, little little fat pudgy guy just shot me right there with a little Terrell Hatton arrow. Now, I, I I don't mind it. I got a couple other guys where I'm I'm really smitten with. Okay, now now I mean Hatton is a two time winner of the Dunhill Lynx, 2016 and 2017. Finished runner up in 2018. Um, finished tenth in 2019. Finished second in 2021. His Alfred Dunhill Lynx record is ridiculous involving this golf course. Um, he's got two top five, two, you know, a T6 and a top five in his last five attempts at the Open. He's playing well right now in the Scottish Open. Obviously, I, I don't know how he's finished up uh, here at the Scottish. He missed the cut here in 2015, but whatever. Uh, I, don't, I don't mind that at all. And, you know, he's not played great in his opportunities on the PGA Tour this year other than a runner-up at the Arnold Palmer. But, you know, this is a different style of golf, and the way he's playing right now, I am very interested in Terrell Hatton. I, I'm, I'm guessing he might come in, like, kind of sneaky. Like, I think a lot of people are going to love Sam Burns, and I love Sam Burns. I'm always about Sam Burns. Yes, if I am in on Sam Burns. I think um, Finau may draw a little bit of attention. Joaquin Neiman being down there at 8,000. Like when I think about who could be chalky, I think Neiman and 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 Hatton and Finau and Burns are up there. But if Hatton's kind of like middling in there, I will be all over that. Uh, but he also may be chalk. I'm willing to eat. Uh, I, Finau's Open Championship record is going to attract a lot of people. Joaquin Neiman's upside and price tag at 8K and the savings you get there is going to attract a lot of people. So all of that being said, like I think it leaves. I think that I think what we've deduced here is that your lowest owned players in here are going to be Bryson. They're probably going to be Brooks up there, and then possibly like Sungjae, Connors maybe. Which Connors is is enticing to me too. Didn't he? Ma- he made the cut at the Scottish. I think he's playing the Scottish right now. Yeah, Connors is interesting. Like, what do you think about like where the chalk's going to land or any of those other guys I've named? Well, I so let's talk about Hatton first. You know, he interests me a little bit. I, I'm. It's funny to me. Like, I'm surprised at how well his history is at, at like the Dunhill and and whatever else. Because like, Hatton seems like the one player in this field that would totally not be able to accept the I know. fact <laughs> yeah. that his ball could be perfectly struck, yeah. and end up in a bad spot. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna make this course a lot harder than they probably do for the Dunhill. You know, there's only so much you can do anyway to St Andrews because it's yeah. there's not a whole lot of room, so they can't really change it a whole lot. But it is probably 
I'm sure this is a little bit different time than a Dunhill. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's probably going to be a little tougher test, but not by much. I mean, yeah, but still, it's just crazy to me that like, I think he would get so frustrated by like hitting. A you got to remember shot. too when he's playing the Dunhill, he's also playing Carnoustie and Kingsbarns, which are yeah, the, both both are a- way Carnoustie. I never want to see that damn same. course again in my life. <laughs> if you're watching Carnoustie, fuck you, okay. Yes. Um, and you know what? I, I'm glad for the experience, Carnoustie, but I never want to see yeah. your ass cool. again. Cool. I got to play Carnoustie. The end. I don't ever want to play yeah. it again. Um, now, Kings Barnes, I actually really enjoyed Kings Barnes. I love Kings yeah, Barnes. I too. But that course is a lot harder than, than the old course, too. So, like, he's not just. I mean, the old course is the easier course out of that rotation. It is. I, I still just think that, um, but I, I don't mind. But you I, can't I don't mind deny the record. The man has won it twice. Yeah. He's got he's got two runner ups and a T ten in the last five years. Maybe he's just really comfortable on the old course, and he knows that's like what I'm he, saying. Maybe dude. he doesn't have that left to right shot that's gonna like it go in every juicy. single bunker. By the way, that's it. That's the shot. If you want to know the shot that's gonna put you in every single bunker on the damn course. If somebody hits it left or right, and that's their that's their, you know, their favorite shot, that's what's going to happen. It's going to go. But but I do think two guys here that really stood out in the eight K range for me. One was was Fleetwood. I'm a big fan of Fleetwood in here, and the other one was T- Tony Finau. I mean, I like how Finau's played recently. I like his open you know history. Uh, yeah, if you look at now let's just look at yeah. the stats for him too. I mean, across the board, he is number one in the model that I came up with. And I hate talking about models, but he is number one. Number one in bogey avoidance. He's number one in the field in three putt avoidance. He's top ten in ball striking. He's number one in the field in three point putt avoidance over what term? Time time frame. Twenty four pretty- rounds. I don't know. Okay. I would top go longer 10. on three putt avoidance, but I mean that's okay. interesting. That's interesting. I'm still I'm just going on twenty four rounds. One in three putt avoidance, one in bogey avoidance, six in ball striking, fourth off the tee, six in strokes gained around the green, 20th in strokes gained approach. Tony Finau has a, I think this is a really good chance for him to to finally break through, not only win a, an actual real golf tournament, but then also a major. So I love Finau in here. And I'm, I'm going to have a lot of them. I'm going to have a lot of them. And, uh, and then I like Fleetwood too. I, yeah, I like Fleetwood, Fleetwood, talk about the Dunhill Lynx record. Last year finished seventh. The year before that finished fifth. The year before that finished runner-up. Like Fleetwood loves the Dunhill Lynx, also playing well. Um, I think he made he made the cut at the Scottish. I think he's rolling in the Scottish right now. By the way, Corey Connors did make the cut. He finished uh, right on the cut line at three over. Fleetwood finished two over, shot one under today on Friday. That's pretty, that's pretty stout. Um, I'm looking at Tony Finau. So, so while you were doing that, I pulled up Fantasy Nationals rolling report, which I love to look at the rolling report for a stat like this. Three putt avoidance rolling report. Tony Finau, certified stud. Dark green all across the board, um, which means like last 100 rounds, 50 rounds, 24, 12, 8, and 4. Like he's, he's been good long term and short term, which is, you know, which is good. And, and that's probably why he's been. That's part of the reason why he's been good in open championships um, is that three-putt avoidance, that touch around the greens. And like Xander is a guy who's known for the ball striking and like hitting the big ball, but underrated short game. So I think Finau's for sure in play. I love the 8K range. I really do. Like, I mean, there's, 
The only guys in here who I'm just staying away from completely are Bryson and Brooks, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to do. Well, for me and Louie, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to do. So, you know, between Burns and Fleetwood and Hatton and Finau and Neiman, those are probably my favorite four here. But, I mean, I'm not mad at a, you know, 5% projected on Corey Connors. Like, it's, it's interesting. I don't know that I trust his short game as much, but the ball striking certainly there. I think a lot of this is going to depend on who's in what weather, weather draw, if there is a draw, if there is an advantage. Uh, and then just kind of how we're thinking the golf course is going to play. Is it going to favor, you know, more of a, a birdie fest player or, a, a, you know, somebody who's going to contend in a lower scoring event? So that is, uh, that is, that's the AK range, the conundrum that is the AK range. Now, some of you guys got conundrums in a lot of places that, that impact your body. You know? oh. And we talk a lot yeah. about bodies on the show because we got a lot of men that listen to this show and they don't take care of their bodies and y'all got busted up bodies. And our friends, at Athletic Greens and the uh, the AG1 products have have really started to do what they can to try to help out your body. So you know you don't have time. You want better health, gut health. You want more energy, a better immune system. You don't like taking pills and vitamins and all the crap you got to take. You you're like man, I wish it was all chopped up into one and I could mix it with some water and it take four seconds and then it tastes delicious and I'd be done. Boom! Here comes AG1. It doesn't even it's super healthy, but it doesn't taste like it because it actually tastes good. It's got like this tropical flavor to it. We do it every morning, a little bit of water. I do about 10 ounces of water with it, powder it up, knock it back before I eat anything. It's delicious. You're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and our favorite, adaptogens. And it costs you less than $3 a day, cheaper than that. Adaptogens? Yeah, cheaper than that cold brew habit. You know, and it contains less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals and stuff. It'll help you sleep better, recover faster. It's a great habit to help take care of yourself. And in 2020, Athletic Greens also donated over 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020 to help out with the pandemic stuff. Uh, They have over 7,000 five-star reviews, and they're trusted by leading health experts like Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash tourjunkies. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash tourjunkies to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Love it. All right. Um, now we're gonna move quickly here, Pat. We gotta move quickly through the seven K range because then we get to the six K range. We're gonna do a draft. I do oh, want to yes. remind everybody of the contest. If you didn't hear it in the caddy interview in the beginning, you need to hit up the contact the contest. You can get three entries. Gotta subscribe to the YouTube channel to get one, subscribe to the email to get one. If you've already done that, great, you're already entered. And you can uh leave a five-star Apple or Spotify review written and five star to get another entry. We're gonna pick Three winners announce them in the Chalk Bomb email next week for the 3M Open. First place is going to win a brand new tailor-made driver. Second and third place are each going to get $250 in prize picks dollars to play with. So check that out. Don't forget, the Wednesday Night Live Nut Hut chat will be popping on Wednesday night. I'll be in there. Pat will be in there. AC will be in there. Probably Ben will be in there. we got Caddy House. we got a lot of Caddy friends on the grounds. we got our Caddy Master friend now. We'll be getting a lot of intel from on-site at the old course, $10 a month 
$90 a year is all you need. It's the place to be. It's our private Discord server. All the links to all of these things are in the description in the podcast or video. And look out for a bunch of other content coming out on the YouTube channel, especially this week. By the way, I have to say this before we move on. The Rufus Peabody interview. We interviewed a professional golf better, Rufus Peabody. This guy was brilliant. He was very generous with his time, and he poked a lot of holes in a lot of people's processes when it comes to playing DFS or betting on golf. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's going to rock your world. It's already out on podcasts and YouTube. Check that out. It was amazing. This dude wagers like $1.5 million per major and like five hundred to 750000 per PGA Tour event, like just a, like the John Deere. It's incredible. He was great. You need to listen to that. All right. 7K range, Pat. Tons of people in here. We can't talk about them all. Mm -hmm. But I do want to ask you this. I got four names in here that I think are interesting. I'm calling them the Open Champion Cherry Poppin' Stud Muffins. Okay? Ooh, yes. These are first-timers, okay? This is their first time. Be gentle. You know, be gentle. But be they're... gentle with them. I think this is a good course yeah. to be a first-timer. But they're honest. dime pieces. They really are. They are dime pieces because these guys are stud muffins. They're ball strikers. I'm talking about Cameron Young. I'm talking about Seamus Powell. Mm. I'm talking about mm. I'm talking about Guillermo Mito Pereira. Ever mm. heard of him? I'm talking about Tom Hollywood Hoagie. These four mm. guys in this range, these first timers. Now Cam Young, we just saw Trunk Slam. Uh, Mito, we just saw Trunk Slam at the Scottish Open. Seamus and uh, Hoagie did not play, as far as I remember. I don't think. So talk to me about these guys because. You know, we just talked about experience, Pat. We did just talk about experience at the Open Championship. So yes. you can't tell me you don't you, you think, I mean, come on. You can't tell me you think a first-timer can win. I'm just asking. By the way, Tom did miss no. the cut at the Scottish. Let's not, get a, let's not get carried away with ourselves here. <laughs> I do not think these guys are going to win. But a guy like Seamus Power, playing well the last couple of years. An Irishman. Irishman, too, by the way. I think this is a great spot for Seamus Power. I mean, Mito Pereira, he's been playing really good in majors. I actually don't really, not a, not a huge fan of him. Hoagie I like. I like Hoagie a lot just wow. because I think that, I think his style of play, very consistent off the tee, into the greens, all those kind of things. He's very level-headed. I think Hoagie could do something here. Um, Cameron Young, I'm a little worried about. Like I think Cameron Young, this might not be really the, the course fit for him. Um, but the two guys here that do like uh, uh, that you mentioned, you know, some of these new stud cherry popping stud muffins. Yeah, Seamus Power and Tom Hoagie are the two that I like. I like here. I could see it. I, I mean, would you be that? Tom Watson almost won this damn golf tournament a few years ago. That's true. So would I you mean, be, and I'm not comparing. He was very saying, experienced. But I know, but I'm not saying that Tom Hoagie is is uh, an old guy. Yeah. But he kind of has a Tom Watson feel to him. He like, does. You know, he's like, got an old face. He's got an old face. Off the tee, old face. Like, would you be surprised if you saw Tom Hoagie in the hunt on Sunday? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Ben Curtis won this damn tournament, DB. Who ben was Curtis. The, who was the guy, that the, the amateur that had the lead after three rounds or something? Remember that a while back? Yeah. Um, um, what's the dude? What's the dude that got in the Masters for five years because he won? Um, 
not Ben Curtis, but the other one, like right after him. Ben Curtis is pretty remarkable, honestly. That is that is the most one of the most remarkable names to no, ever have won. But the won a other major. this other guy, I got it now. I got to anyway. Come up uh, for me. I, I do think power is is interesting there. I, I kind of agree with you on Young. I think power and Mito are are you know potentially in play here. There's there's a bunch of names in here. I mean that that are very interesting. Um, so you know you can definitely. I, I don't. I think this is a range where I would for sure not be afraid to pivot. Um, now, but again, I also think this is a range where you're not going to have guys like super high owned because there's just so many yeah. names in here. You're just you're just not. Now a couple names that two, wait 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 okay. two years in a row two years in a row. Ben Curtis won in two thousand and three. Todd Hamilton. Todd Hamilton. That's who I was. 2004, right, be- right before Tiger Woods won it in 2005 at the old course. Todd Gross. freaking Hamilton. Gross. Golf's a lot deeper now than it was when Tom Hamilton was competing. Um, but still, but that's pretty incredible. A couple names up here at the top that I think are some of those Scottish Open names we were talking about that just trunk slam that we would kind of ignore. Uh, for me... Robert McIntyre is 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 in that conversation. Bobby Mack, who who is sitting there at seventy eight hundred with, you know, a T eight and a T six at the Open Championship, and uh, a pretty decent, you know, he's the he's the Scotsman, right? Pretty decent links record. T twenty six at the Alfred Dunhill in twenty nineteen. Um, you know, I I think Bobby Mack is in play for sure. Maybe some people will jump off of him. Max Home is another one that missed the or no? Did Max make the cut? What did Max do? I can't remember what Max did. Homa's, I think Homa missed. Did he miss the cut of the Scottish? Yes. No, no, he made the cut. Plus two. So I think, you know, Homa's another one. Um, yeah, our boy, our boy, uh, uh, our caddy friend told us that Adam Scott has been up there early, getting it in a little bit. He played well oh, here oh, in uh, 2015, finished 10th in 2015. I mean, that could be interesting. Can I, can I think I ever I'm, get you involved in Justin Rose? I think so. I think here, I think I think so. Yeah, I think so. I'll let you yes. know Thursday or Wednesday okay. night. I'll let you know. But yeah, I mean Rosie's been doing all right, huh? And I mean a little bit of a little bit of course history and 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 gray hair doesn't hurt. Um, I don't think I'm going to play Daniel Berger at all as the highest price player here. Like I would certainly have put. Uh, I think I would have put a couple names maybe above Daniel Berger uh, just with, you know, miscut at the US Open. We haven't really seen a lot of Berger lately. I don't feel like. Not a bad Open championship record. I just don't know that the value is really great for him. Well, you know, it's the summertime. He likes to be on his boat. He does like to be on the boat. What do, what do you do? Uh, what do you think about Tiger? 7,500. You think he's fooling everybody again? With like, you know, because I mean, I didn't think he was going to play the Masters. I think this course is of all of them. I Way actually better thought this for sure. This was the first course that he was going to actually play again. But you can't play him, right? Like the withdrawal risk, and no, I think there's too many things. It's just he's just still not ready for four rounds. I mean, he's made the cut in the two majors he's played this year. He's only played, but one then major. after he's that, only played it, one major. No, he's played two majors. What? He played the PGA Championship. No, he didn't. He played the Masters. He did not play No, the he played the PGA at Southern Hills, and he made the cut. No, he didn't. Yes, he did, and then he withdrew from it on Saturday. 
Ah. Drank way more than you tonight, what? and I still know at least that. Are you are you kidding me? Yes, he withdrew on Saturday. I have a terrible his, memory. I have an awful memory. We, we know Saturday's this. Round. He has oh, played yeah, now I remember that. Majors. He did not play in the U.S. Open, but he did play You're in right. the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. You're right. He did. I have anyway, a memory. Um, I'm not playing Tiger. I tell I'm you who either. I like. I tell you who I like. Hmm. Danny Willett. Danny, Danny Willett. Danny Willett. And it's T6 here. In What's his price here? 7100 7100 is good. No, sorry, 7000 He 7, also won the Alfred Dunhill Lynx here in 2021, year of our Lord. Um, yes. Danny Willett is a decent value for sure, isn't he? Now, I think he just, did he play the Scottish? I think he missed the cut. Did he play? Yeah, he missed the cut. He shot 10 over, which I don't love that because, I mean, we haven't yeah, seen a JT just shot 10 over. Yeah, I know, but we haven't seen a lot of good come out of Danny Willett, period, though, right? Like, what's he yeah, been doing? Yeah, but I just could see him. I mean, he played, he finished T6 here the last time they played this course in 2015. He's one that I really think was like, when I was looking at like really cheap guys that I think are going to be low owned and he's at 7,000. He was one of the first ones that popped out to me because I, I had it in the back of my mind. I think I, I knew he played well here the last time they had the open championship I had a feeling he played well here at the Alfred Dunhill, which obviously you just mentioned he won. So he's, he's interesting to me in here. There, there's so many guys though, in this seven K range though, that, that we can really look at. Can I tell you who, um, you know, I mean, I, I kind of like, I kind of like some P Reed. <sighs> I kind of like P Reed, dude. It, that that might be the live guy that I end up rolling with because to me I just it's it's also kind of a P read especially if we get wind and we get conditions and we get Scotland and like I just see this dude and his creativity around the greens and all that stuff like I just see it for him. Um, Seventy three hundred is just enticing for me for P read, but I, I am I, I I am kind of a sucker for him. I will put that disclaimer on it. I also like Cebez a little bit here, um, mm-hmm. and and I don't, you know, Cebez played well today on Friday to, to stay in the cut line and do his thing. He had a, he had a bad end of the wave, and um, and played played okay. Uh, not much of an Open Championship record at all, but I, I think Cebez is interesting. I'm a huge fan of Jordan Smith. I played a lot of him this week in the Scottish. I put him on the betting card to this point. I don't know how it's going to work out. He's in the top ten right now. But I like Jordan Smith. He's had a really good year on the DP World Tour. Uh, 7,200. I, I think, here's what I'll say. If the conditions look easier, Jordan Smith is one that I'm going to have my, eyeball on, my eyeballs on. He's yeah. number one on the DP World Tour in strokes gain off the tee. He scores a lot. He hits it a mile. Um, I, I like that for him. If it's a little tougher, a little grind fest, I may pivot off of him. But I am interested in Jordan Smith. HV three is interesting to me. He withdrew from the Scottish Open, but he's playing. I just saw something on his Instagram. He played a course with a buddy or somebody just today uh, on Friday. Like I think he's fine. HV three is a little interesting to me. I'm still very in on Keegan Bradley. I don't care that he missed the cut at the Scottish. I think Keegan's ball striking. You know, if I get a low on Keegan, I'm interesting. It'll be interesting to interested. It'll be interesting to see what people do with Ryan Fox. He was very very talked up. Uh, this week at the Scottish, he did make the cut. Don't know how he finished. Who else do you like in this the, low range? He's near the bottom, I think. He's at plus cut. two right now on the cut. I mean, he's so he's yeah. in, but he's plus two. 
Well, I mentioned Danny Willett. I like in the bottom. I, I still like Victor Perez. I, I know he he's not going to really like if you're looking at some stats on him, he's not going to check a lot of boxes. But he's played well this year. I do know he played terrible at the, at the Scottish, but I'm I'm going to kind of throw that out the window for him there. Um, you know, a guy like Mito Pereira, I think is is really good here at 7300. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. I like Justin Rose. Um, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think JT Poston. I mean, <sighs> he's coming in playing so well right now. He, you know, he rested and didn't play this week. Um, I, I think he could be interesting. Who else? I'm looking at these names. I was about to ask, like, where do we think the chalk is going to be? But I'm looking at these names. I don't know that there's going to be any chalk. Like, there's, there's going to be, be any chalk. Here. There's going to be pop, more popular players that are like, you know, 12, 13%. But I don't know, that, unless one of these guys in here comes out and like wins the Scottish, maybe yeah. uh, I could see it. But other than that, like, I just think there's enough spread here and there's value to go around. I mean, Cameron Tringali at 7,000, who came out and shot, what he shoot, like nine under on day one at the Scottish, and he's currently leading now at seven under. Maybe yeah. if he holds on and like boat races the field like he did the first two days at seven k, will 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 Cameron Tringali be chalky at seven k? Who knows? I do not think he will. But I tell you this, I think this live the live golf thing has thrown a whole nother element into the ownership. Like we used to, yeah, we I can agree. Always talk about like guys that whatever narrative we had for people in tournaments. Now we've added a whole nother narrative with the live golf thing. So now we've got to talk about that. Well, will people avoid some of the live golf players because, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know. And I think that's throwing off. That's going to throw off some of the ownership in these majors that they're, they're playing. in. That could be true. I agree. Um, all right. I think that wraps up the seven K range. Let's get on to the six K range. We're going to do a six K draft like we did the other week. This will be fun before we do I want to remind everybody you can head over to prize picks legal in like 30 States. Now it is the best way to play player props. If you're in California, Florida, Texas, like I said, like 30 other States It's daily fantasy made easy. All you do is pick two to five players and an over under on their projections. And sometimes you can win up to 11 or even 12 X your entry. It's super easy. It's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not having to play against other people and all that stuff. You can do mixed sports. You can do baseball and golf or whatever you want to do. You can do all kinds of stuff. They have every sport imaginable. They have a great app. Um, it's a great props game, and they're safe and offer fast withdrawals. You can use promo code TJ and get 100% deposit match up to $100. And listen, price picks and the tips in price picks in our Discord, in the Nut Hut, are single-handedly paying people's annual subscriptions to the Nut Hut because we have some sharp prize picks players in there. AC's sharp. Uh, I put my Thursday round one uh, card of the, of, the, of the round one in the Tuesday heavy petting email that's been paying off. Your Fantasy Golf Sommelier videos, which have been hysterical lately, uh, that is all Thursday round one prize picks plays. We've been making money on those. You just need to get involved, okay? You just need to get involved. So check out Price Picks, and also check out the Fantasy Golf Sommelier people on YouTube. It drops every Wednesday morning. It's hilarious. It, you got to watch it. It's like six or seven minutes. It's funny and and educational. Pat, you the did a actual great job. picks this week were pretty good. We we ended up being two zero and two. So we want we had two that were winners, and then we had two pushes. Two which, push. 
So you probably could, still made could, money. Can actually help you help help you make money, but yeah. I was I wish those would have been winners. So. All right, for the 6K range, rather than, rather than breaking it down like we do, we're going to do a draft, okay? We're going we're gonna to do a self-imposed DraftKings head-to-head match, me versus Pat, but we're going to draft the player so we cannot roster the same player. And we've put a limitation on ourselves this week. You can only spend 39000 So you're going to have to go down low all the way to the flow. How low can you go? You're going to have to go down low, Pat. And all the way to the float. Yes. And only spend 39,000. You can leave 11. That's leaving 11K on the board um, on DraftKings. All right. You good? Okay. Yeah. So I think you got first pick last time. I think I'm going to get first pick this time. I'm going to do that. And I am going to go with Chris Kirk at 6,800. I like Chris Kirk for the Scottish. He made the cut in the uh, in the Scottish Open. I like the. Uh, I just feel like Kirk's consistent, hitting it hitting it well all year. He's been consistent. Not much of an Open Championship record, as you uh, as you would imagine. He's played in one in the last five years. He's missed the cut, but uh, but you know had a great year. So Chris Kirk for me at sixty eight hundred. I will take it. Okay, I am going to start with Alexander Bjork. Okay, that's an interesting strategy, isn't he? Like yeah, super cheap. He's sixty four hundred. Okay, he is. Uh, he's actually played, you know, pretty well on the European Tour this year. He's made eight of twelve cuts. Yep. He just made the cut um, at the uh, Scottish Open. He was um, actually, I think he, well, he's top thirty right now in the Scottish Open, and he was top twenty last week at the Irish Open. Does not have a very good course history at the Open Championship. I'm going to not really care about that since they don't play the same course every year. So I, I want to start cheap a little bit, kind of give me some room here to think. So I'm going to start with Alexander Bjork. Wow. Okay. I mean, you know, it is a draft. So, I mean, I, I would still have thought, you know, maybe you would uh, you would try to get your best players first so I don't no, steal no, them. No, I have, I have, have others that I'm going to be able to take from you anyway. Okay. Um, okay. I am going to go with a stud up top, I think. And he did miss the cut at the... No, actually, he didn't. He, made, he battled on Friday, made the cut at the Scottish Open. And it's Keith Mitchell at 6,900. What a lot of people may not know about Keith is uh, Keith's sister went to college at St. Andrews University. His dad is a member of the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews. And he's quite familiar with the old course. Been very fortunate to play over here since, a, since he was a young lad. Uh, so despite being a Southern boy, you know, Sea Island Mafia member, very familiar with playing in the wind, had a great season so far. I think this is the anchor of my team. And I think Keith Mitchell is definitely in play down here at 6,900. Okay, so who was your first pick? Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk and Keith Mitchell. Yep. Wow. Both Bulldogs. Wow. Two Bulldogs. Yeah, you like that? All right. Well, I'm going to then go. I'm going to bump up here and go with Justin Harding at 68. Oh, he's been playing well. Live Tour guy. And uh, going with the Live Tour guy, playing well. He's also um, currently uh, in, I believe, the top 10 for the Scottish Open. Um, Currently, so yeah. actually he's 13th, sorry, in the Scottish Open. 
after a, a tough round today, but in tough conditions. So Justin Harding at 6,800 will be my second pick. Hmm. Where to go now? Um, okay, this is, this is interesting. Do I go... Do I go studs and duds in the 6K range? You know what I mean? I mean, that's really the challenge yeah, here. Yeah, well, you gotta... I mean, there's a lot to... I, all right, I think I'm going to roll with Emiliano Grillo at 6,700. Uh, Grillo's been playing well. Obviously, we saw him just, he couldn't quite catch JT Poston uh, at the John Deere. Finishes runner-up. Uh, Grillo has played in a couple of open championships. In fact, finished 12th last year, 12th in 2016. Good ball striker, can't putt worth the lick, but you know pays off in, in tough conditions, I think. So I'll go with Grillo. Okay. Um, interesting. All right, I think I might go with another live guy here. Ooh, wow. Didn't see this coming. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Sean Norris. Mm. Sean Norris at 6,600. Um, eight of ten cuts made this year. Um, he... He actually played, didn't he play pretty well in the PGA Championship? Eh, he played all right in the PGA Championship. But he did win a tournament this year. So I will go with Sean Norris at 6,600. Okay. Uh, I'm really excited about this guy because you know I love my, uh, you know I love my Koreans. And I think this kid's an electric factory as well. I've already seen yeah. our buddy Siwoo Kim talking him up on Instagram. But Ju Young Kim is currently T12 after round two at the Scottish Open. And in two rounds at the Scottish Open, he's made four bogeys. That's pretty good in these two rounds to make four bogeys. The kid's, uh, the kid's a player, 23rd at the U.S. Open, 17th at the Byron Nelson. This is his first Open championship. But I, again, he, this kid is a stud. He's $6,500. Ju Young Kim is my next uh, selection. Ju Young Kim. Okay. Um, I don't. I can't figure out how much salary I have. I don't think I have much left. I gotta do something. I gotta get into the sixty-four hundred. I gotta do range. something weird here. I'm gonna go with. Okay, this guy screwed me this week, but I'm still. You know, Mark Hill. What was your problem with this guy? I hope you Ooh. get him right this week. Calling out Mark Hill, John Catlin, Caitlin. In the United States of America, but plays most of his golf on the European Tour. Did have the fourth place finish at the Irish Open, top 25 at the Volvo Car Scandinavian Mixed. Top 25 at the Porsche European Open. John Catlin at 6,400 is going to be my pick there. Okay. All right, now this is a sneaky pick. All right, this is a really good pick. I hope people are paying attention because this dude is minimum price. Speaking of Mark Hill, Mark Hill talked him up on our DFS show last week and said he liked him. He's a Scotsman, and his name is David. He's got to be great, right? David Law at 6,000. David Law? Made the cut at the Scottish Open on the number. Uh, Also finished fourth at the Irish Open just two weeks ago. Okay. David Law, the Scotsman for me, is, uh, is rather interesting. He's got some decent finishes. Like the guy's won on the DP World Tour. 
He's won in uh, on a the Challenge Tour. Um, you know, T fourteenth at the BMW PGA Wentworth this past year. Like the guy showed up at some big events, and he's bare minimum price, baby. Give him to me. My team is stacked, dude. I might actually like roll this thing out. Hmm. Okay. Um, Wait a minute. Shit. No, he's sixty five hundred. Fantasy National has him wrong. Damn it. He's sixty five hundred. Okay. Anyway, I'm still good. Go ahead. Why do I think he was? Okay. Fantasy National has him as bare minimum. Are there two David Laws? Anyway, can't possibly. There's not. There's not. Okay. Okay, I got another one. I'm going to. It's sixty five hundred. Another South African Xander Lombard. Lombard. Also, I think Xander I've, Lombard. I've made a He's math. made a lot of cuts. This guy's made a lot of cuts. I've made a math mistake. The David Law thing threw me off. There's no way I can finish within the thirty nine hundred dollar. Um, Why are you using the, the contest that I set up? So I am could... using it. I'm looking at it, but then when I hit the David Law thing, it messed me all up. So I can't do it. Damn it! All right, I'm gonna. Okay, what do you want me to do? All right, hold on. Let me. Who'd you pick, Xander Lombard? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna toss out. I'm gonna toss out. I guess I'm gonna toss out D Law. Uh, and now I got two picks, and I got twelve. I gotta go. What's s- our total again? Thirty nine thousand. Thirty nine thousand is as much as we can do. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna go. I can't trust Fantasy National with the prices here at the bottom. Should I go Todd Hamilton? Oh, no, you can't, no, do, that. I can't do that. Um, let me go with. I'm going to go. Uh, can I do that? Damn it, I can't do that. I'm screwed. I'm going real studs and duds here. Dang it. I'm going real studs and duds. All right, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with another South Korean. Uh, Minkyu Kim. Minkyu Kim is 6,100, and I have no idea why. And then you go. All right, well, I have 6,400 left. So I'm going to go with... um, Terrible. You know, this guy just... Is just... He's kind of electric, to be honest. And he's also has a a very good like cut making record but Marcus Armitage mm-hmm. is at 60 actually he's at 6500 so I'm going to save $100 and I'm going to go with Marcus Armitage who who is a guy who's made 11 of 13 cuts on the European Tour this year including 37th in his last start at the Irish Open 31st at the Dutch Open 21st um okay I'm going By to- the way can I tell wait did you know there was a, a tournament called the the Bet Fred? Yeah, Bet Fred British, British Masters, Masters hosted by Danny hosted Willett. Hosted by Danny Willett. <laughs> Duh. Come on, you picked Danny Willett. You didn't even know he hosted his own tournament? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, right, I'm going to go. go with the guy that has the most UK name I've ever heard of, and he's at 6,000, Ronan Malarney, the Irishman, Ronan Malarney. I'm pretty sure he got in okay. on, I, I'm almost positive of this, he won the Fairmont qualifier. Uh, yes, the Fairmont, the hotel you and I stayed at, Pat. He won the, or he, he placed in that. Uh, let's see. Fairmont Open qualifying. 
on a windswept day, final qualifying day. Dave, nope, I completely whiffed. Hell if I know who Ronan Malarney is, but he's on my team. Whatever, just go with it. All right, so my team is Keith Mitchell, Chris Kirk, Emiliano Grio, Jung Young Kim, uh, Ming Kyu Kim, and Ronan Malarney. And my team is Marcus Armitage, Alexander Bjork, John Catlin, or Caitlin, Justin Harding, Xander Lombard, and Sean Norris. There we go. There you have it. The Tour Junkies DFS first impressions show. Okay, more to come, more content. Pat, you were great. Thank you for being you, brother. And uh, listen, get in the contest, get involved. May your screens be green. Let's have a great week. See ya! Oh!